Hi, I'm Camila Peebles, and this is Real Charlotte Living, a weekly podcast highlighting Charlotte area lifestyle, business, and real estate. On today's episode, we're going to discuss cars. My guest today is Leanne Shaddock. Leanne is an automotive expert, speaker, writer, radio, and television host, and champion race car driver. Leanne owns a unique car buying service that helps women and smart men save a ton of time, money, and headaches throughout the entire car selection and buying process. Leanne is passionate about educating people about cars and about empowering them to make informed decisions when purchasing, selling, and servicing automobiles. Known around the world as the car chick, Leanne has been featured on national radio and television programs, including The Cooper Lawrence Show, NPR, Daily Balance with Kim Jacobs, and as a regular guest on our own Good Day Charlotte. Leanne currently hosts the Straight Shift podcast and the internet shows Shut Up and Drive and Rust Rescue. Please welcome the car chick. Hey, Camilla. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, Leanne. I'm so glad that you took some time to spend with me. Um, I have been looking forward to uh, recording this episode with you um, just because I have used your service and love it. And so I'm just glad that you would join me today. I am honored. And I'm so glad that you're enjoying your new car. Thank you. <laughs> so um, as we get started, I always like to have you just tell a little bit about yourself and tell us how, you know, how did you come to be the car chick? That started, I think, when I was about 18 months old. So this has been a very long, lifelong process. When I was little, I blamed the Herbie the Love Bug movies. You're from Disney back in the 70s. I remember those, Right, so I'm dating myself. But I I loved those movies, and our neighbors had a classic Volkswagen bug. They weren't classics back then. They were the new model, but it's what we consider a classic bug. And I think it's because the shape of that car is just so distinctive when combined with the Herbie movies. It just, you know, it's what stuck in a two-year-old's mind. And I love, love, love them. And I've just paid attention to cars and loved cars my whole life. My father started teaching me performance driving skills and how to drive stick when I was about seven. Oh wow. so, <laughs> so this has just been a passion of mine my whole life. And I got to a point where I was very sick of working in corporate America and had an opportunity to step out of that into the entrepreneurial world and just saw how many smart, successful, badass women just like you hated to buy cars. They hated the process. They Feel like they were treated with the respect they deserved. They got overwhelmed by all the makes and models out there. And you know, quite frankly, they would rather have a root canal than haggle with a car dealer. Yes. So I figured, okay, a car is the second largest purchase that most people will make in their life after a house. With a house, you usually have a real estate agent to guide you through that process. Yes, with like a car, me. right. <laughs> Case <laughs> in points. You like that little commercial, <laughs> that little plug I gave you there? <laughs> Well, why would you not have that for cars? So I looked at the real estate model and Mm -hmm. thought, okay, how can we adapt this buyer's agent style of model to the automotive industry that would 
take the hassle and reduce the risk to the buyer, but still be a win-win for the dealer. And so I came up with the, the business model and the brand of the car chick just actually evolved out of a joke. One of the gentlemen that I met networking when I first started the company just started jokingly calling me car chick. And <laughs> It caught on like crazy, yes. and I and I realized it. It truly embodied who I am because I do have such a passion both for the cars and for empowering people. That we finally got deliberate about it with my business coach and just kind of went full bore with the car chick brand, and it has just it's taken off, and I've been chasing after it ever since. So here we are today. <laughs> I I love it. Um, and since, you know, we're kind of on the lines of the service that you offer, let's talk about the benefits of hiring a car buying agent. And that's exactly when I describe to people who you are and what you do. That's exactly, I relate it to real estate. I'm like, the best way to describe it is just like when you are acting as a buyer's agent for your client, it's, she's the same thing, but it's cars. Um, and it's, you know, it's such an invaluable service. So. And that's how, that's the exact terminology that I use as well. Now that I've learned from people like you more about what that buyer's agent in real estate is. Yes. It, it really is very similar. You know, there are a lot of car buying services out there. You know, you can go you know, online and find a million of them. You might have one through your credit union. You might have, you know, one through a Costco membership. There's a bunch of them out there. But what they all have in common is that they're very impersonal and you're basically talking to a computer screen and you have to know exactly what you want. And most of them have just a prearranged deal with you know, one or two dealers in your area for that car. And there's a lot of fine print, shall we say, in that that allows the dealer on the other end through their contract with the company to not honor the price that they give you. And it's only on the price of the car that you're buying, which quite frankly, in today's world where the information about the pricing, at least on new cars, it's out there online. It's easy to find. Mm -hmm. It's free. That is not rocket science. And that is not where the dealers make their money. There's eight areas in any car deal where the dealer is making money off of you. And most people don't even realize what those are. So yeah, little car buying service that if you know exactly what you want and you're only buying the car, you're not trading, yada, yada, that might be worth it to you. But what mm -hmm. I have found is getting a good deal starts with picking the right car in the first place because it's got to be the right car for you and everyone's lifestyle, their budget, yeah. and their personality. Everybody's different. So what might be the right car for you might not be the right car or your sister, or your friend, or your cousin. And so it, it just really depends on that person. And that's where I felt that my service could actually be of the greatest value is helping people through that. Because research shows that women spend an average of 17 weeks just researching cars before they make a buying decision. Because yes. when you're uncomfortable with a process, most women, we compensate for that discomfort by researching it to death. Researching. Yes, <laughs> yes. And knowledge is power, but you can easily get yourself very overwhelmed. Yeah. I tell people, it gets to be like trying on too many wedding dresses at some point because there are so many makes models out there. 
and you can't always trust the information that you find on the internet, right? Newsflash. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in knowing all the makes and models, being married to a master certified mechanic, so I know how all these stupid things are put together, I figured out a process that is almost like a matchmaker. So yes. we start with the matchmaking process. Let's find the car that's not only going to do what you need it to do to support your life, but be something that you're going to love to get in every day. My goal is for yes. everyone to get in their car every day and be like, oh, I love my car. <laughs> <laughs> it should be that level of excitement. Yes. And so that's a big part of the service, the, the negotiating and all that. That's just kind of what people have said is that's the icing on the cake. And yeah. honestly, in today's market, where the inventory levels for new cars are at about three to five percent of normal levels, if you've ever driven by a dealership in the last couple of months, there's no cars. Yes, uh, that's what know, I've heard. Pan- the pandemic is the gift that keeps on giving, right? So we have massive <laughs> supply chain issues, mainly due to the computer chips that are in cars. There's more computer chips in cars today than were in the original space shuttle. So we just figuring out how do I even get a car? It's not about negotiating. The pricing's horrible. So it's about finding the least horrible pricing, but you've got to find the car first. Car, yes. Yeah. And get it before somebody else does. It's like the Hunger Games out there. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, you know, I'm I'm amazed at how busy I am. I'm like, how, how do all these people want to buy cars? There's no cars to buy. But it is about knowing the little tricks for playing this new game in the industry. Yes. And, you know, do we order the car out of state and ship it in because that's actually cheaper than buying it from a dealer in your area because the dealers in your area are all being jerks. So in the current market where there's like no inventory, inventory levels for new cars at most dealerships are as low as three to 5% of normal. It's crazy. So dealers are selling into their production pipeline and depending on what area you're in, what brand you're looking for, Some dealers are charging thousands over sticker and getting it. So it may make more sense to buy the car from a dealer in another city or even another state who's willing to play nicely and sell you the car for less money, even if you have to pay a little bit of money to transport it in. So there's a lot of different ways to solve the puzzle now. None of them are ideal, but this is the market we're in. And we're going to be in it for probably at least another 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So I love that, Lee. And it's so... (laughs) <laughs> it's exactly, it's, it's a direct reflection of the housing market here as well. Right. You know, it's, it's the same thing. I want to share with people sort of um, my experience with you. And I found myself in a situation, when did I buy my car? Uh, 2017, 2018? Yeah, it's been I about three years, I think. Yeah. And I was in the middle of a very complicated, actually the transaction, the real estate transaction wasn't complicated. The lender was complicated (laughs) and they were ruining our deal. So I was in the middle of that on top of, it was a transaction that was supposed to have closed like a month before and it was getting dragged out by weeks because of this lender. On top of that, I was leaving to go to, um, Uganda for a mission trip. So I was preparing to fly, you know, across the world and be gone for about two weeks. The very last thing on my mind was buying a new car. My whole focus was 
making sure that I got my clients taken care of and that we closed before I left the country. Um, Cause I did not want to have to try to figure that out. Um, yeah. No stress so, there. <laughs> yes. So in the meanwhile, I'm driving home one day and someone just drives right into the back of me and totals my car. I now have like maybe another week before I'm leaving the country and had not thought about buying a new car. I was blissfully driving my fully paid for car. <laughs> Why is it that people always wait until your car is paid one. off before they hit you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my. So talk about, I was so stressed out. I was in tears. I just did not know what to do. And to your point of research. So I am a researcher and I was like, I don't have time to research. Like I have to have a car, but I don't have time to figure this out right now. And so I remembered you and you had come to our office and talked about this service. And I was like, I'm going to call the, ch- the car chick. I'm going to get a chance to try her out. So I called and you just made the process. I remember like, so I left the country. I may have done the consultation before I left. I know we had a consultation just like I do with my buyers um, to find out, you know, what I needed, what my lifestyle was, what was going to be practical for me. And then when I came back, um, we talked a little bit more. You sent me a few cars because I, you know, I knew I wanted maybe a small SUV, but I just, I had no idea what kind, what anything. Um, and you helped me sort of narrow down choices that were going to be the best fit for me. And then y'all, the best part is Leanne set up my test drives. I walked in, I'm a person, I want to walk in, do what I need to do and leave. Anytime you can provide that level of convenience for me and I don't have to do a whole lot of thinking about it, I'm excited. So Leanne set up the test drives. She had specific dealers that she recommended, some that she recommended that I stay away from. Um, And it was just, it was the most simple, stress-free car buying experience I've ever had in my life. And I've bought multiple cars, you know, on my own. Um, And she just made something that was overwhelming um, and highly stressful a breeze. Like it was not only the best car buying experience, but it was, I bought the car with confidence, knowing that I would be happy with it. And three years later, I still love my car and I'm getting ready to pay it off again and hope nobody hits me. So. <laughs> but I be tell careful people all the saying time, that, you know, I know <laughs> Murphy's law is listening, <laughs> but I tell people all the time, like, don't bother with it, call Leanne. Like this really, it's worth every dime. So that's, Ah, that's my testimony to how awesome her service is. Um, So I wanted, we talked a little bit definitely about what's going on in the auto industry right now, how crazy it is. Um, What should be sort of top of mind when buying a car? What would you recommend to people? Well, right now, you need to keep in mind that if you want a new car, you are probably going to have to wait. Because as I said earlier, the dealers are, 
they don't have anything on their lot to sell. So they're selling into their production pipeline. So cars that okay. they have ordered or the they have what are called allocations. Basically, it's a it's a quota that the manufacturers give each dealership every month. They're allowed to order nine of these and 13 of those. And, okay. and when they run out of those, they can't order anymore for that month. And with these supply of cars, those allocations keep getting cut down and down. So the dealers don't have a lot of slots to order cars. So you may have to, you know, you may be looking at three to four months, sometimes longer, depending on the popularity of that car and, you know, how that manufacturer's capabilities are, because it is a little bit different. Some of the Korean brands have been doing a little bit better because they have some computer chip factories in Korea. They're not relying solely on China, like most of the American okay. manufacturers are. It, it just really depends on who their supply chain partners are. But bottom okay. line, if you want a new car, don't wait because you're not going to be able to go in on December 10th and say, I want a new car for Christmas and have it in your driveway on December 25th. That's probably not going to happen. If it does, you're going to pay an astronomical amount of money for yes. something that they magically do have on their lot. So buying a car should always be a process, not an event. Okay. You should take your time. You should do your homework. You should run the numbers. Make sure, just like in real estate, you need to make sure that you know, every step of the way, you're, you're following a good process that makes sure you're getting the best deal and you're, you're not spending more money than you need to spend. In this market, though, there's just no inventory. So you've really got yeah. to plan further ahead. And like I'm ordering some cars for clients right now. Here we are, what, you know, October 22nd. And we're probably looking best case scenario, February yeah. to get that car. Yeah. So yeah. you just have to plan a little bit more now and be prepared for pricing because you go on the dealer's website. First of all, the list of cars that they say they have on the in stock are probably not actually there. <laughs> so you got to call. Don't assume that a car that you see on the website is actually on. It's the actually line there. Okay. And available. So, and also you see the the MSRP, the sticker price of the car. Don't assume that that's what you're going to pay in this market. As I said, some dealers are charging what they call a market adjustment or second sticker, yeah. marking it up just because they can, okay. because the demand is still high, supply is still low, basic economics. But yep. if you think about it, they're not making money on volume right now. So they have to make a higher profit margin per car because they're only selling mm -hmm. a fraction of the number of cars. They've got to keep their people fed. They've got to keep their doors open. That being said, it doesn't mean you shouldn't shop around and find the dealer that is going to still give you the best price. You know, I found several dealers that are not marking up the cars over sticker. Some of them are adding dealer installed accessory packages for two or three or more thousand dollars. So you need to make sure, you know, the whole picture, you look at all the numbers because okay. they may be okay. adding things to the car to help with their profits. Some dealers are willing to just sell it at sticker without any markups, without any additional fees. They're just being really cool about it, but they are the, the few and far between. So you have to really okay. work hard to find those, but it's worth it to not overpay for a car because we're not going to be in this situation forever. It will sort itself out. Yeah. And the more over sticker you're paying right now, you know, that's just money that's going to depreciate really quickly when the market does shift again. So you just have to be a little bit more diligent and really look carefully at all the numbers. And quite frankly, right now, I am telling people, unless you really, really need a car, don't. 
you know, don't buy one. Yeah. Even if you have to put a, you know, put a thousand or 2000 into the vehicle that you have now, if it's still serving your lifestyle needs, it just needs some maintenance items. Keep it because you'll probably lose less money doing that than you will if you run out and buy something new and, and pay today's prices. But unfortunately, there's so plenty of people who are getting rear ended or yes. <laughs> their, their car now has 250,000 miles and it really has reached the end of its life or they just had a new baby and the smaller car doesn't work anymore. Yes. And, you know, those are lifestyle changes and, and events that you can't avoid, but there's still ways to, to navigate this market and be smart about it and still keep as many pennies in your own pocket as you possibly can. Okay. That's great advice. Um, okay. So I want to ask you about some of the, your opinions on some of the best cars for different sets of people. So, Oh, you know, I always have an opinion girl. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is what are the best cars for commuters? For commuters, if you are commuting in stop and go traffic, mm -hmm. you want a car that is going to maximize your fuel efficiency at those really low speeds. Stop and go traffic is the absolute worst condition for wear and tear on your car, gas mileage, emissions, everything. So the great news is, is there are a lot of hybrids and now even plug-in hybrids and electric vehicles that are coming out. The next three to five years is going to be so exciting. Assuming they can find the computer chips, build them, there's a ton of these alternative energy vehicles coming out. We are really starting to make that shift in the automotive industry. Okay. Now, in Charlotte, because we don't yet have a robust infrastructure to support electric vehicles. So we don't have a ton of places where you can plug in your car when you're at work at the office or when you're out shopping, you know, Whole Foods and a few places like I was that. I say you have to go to Whole Foods. You have to go to Whole Foods, <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it's not, we're not quite there yet, but we are making those investments. But you look at places like Los Angeles, um, mm -hmm. Atlanta, because a lot of these um, stations for recharging cars are actually produced in Georgia. A lot of the batteries are produced in Georgia, so they're motivated to do it. But that can be good for people that are, especially if they're commuting shorter distances and they're not as likely to run out of electricity. But electric cars, it's all electricity. So when you run out of electricity, the car stops. <laughs> yes. And then you're, and unless it's stopped next to a charging station, you have a problem. You're in and, trouble. And, and those ranges that they give you, they say, oh, it's got an electric range of 200 miles or 150 miles. That is the optimal range. That does not include, I'm running the radio, I'm running the navigation system, I'm running the um, air conditioner. That number uh, drops very quickly. So okay. if you're in stop and go traffic in July and you've got the AC running and you're listening to the radio, that range is going to drop dramatically. So you might want to make sure you have a place to plug it in when you do get to work. Okay. But the, that's the direction that we're going. But a okay. plug-in hybrid can be a good option for people because that gives you the best of both worlds. So for a, a fairly short number of miles, usually 20 to 30 miles, it's running purely on electric. And for a lot of people, that's enough to get them to work and back. But if you do run out of electricity, it's got a normal motor in it that kicks in and now you're using gas. So you don't run the risk of running out of electricity and being stuck. So plug-in hybrid can be a good option as well. And we're seeing more and more of those. 
But if your budget doesn't include that, or you don't quite want to go to the level of having to plug in your car like you do your phone every day, <laughs> just a regular hybrid vehicle. There are so many of those on the market now. Even SUVs are coming in hybrids. The new Toyota Sienna minivan is a hybrid, period. It's, there's not even a no hybrid option because Toyota's okay. really committing to that. So those hybrid vehicles, you get the advantage of using electricity at low speeds, but there's still a petrol engine that is also running the car and you have regenerative braking. So when there is energy that is used, when you hit the brakes, coming out the exhaust, there are waste energy produced by the car is recycled back into the hybrid system that okay. helps along. So it, hybrids can be one of the most cost-effective types of vehicles for commuters. So, you know, a little Toyota Camry hybrid, there's, there's hybrids in almost every category and okay. technology to the point where you're, you're not paying thousands and thousands and thousands more for the hybrid model than the regular model like you used to. So that's, okay. one of my, that's one of the best choices if you spend your life commuting, if you don't have the opportunity to take the, the links or the bus <laughs> or your bicycle. <laughs> bicycles are great. Yes. I recommend bicycles. You burn calories. <laughs> now, Leanne, do they have anything, you know, like if your phone is, um, if your phone is dying and let's say you're out camping, they have these little, you know, um, transportable, transportable, uh, or portable charging, you know, blocks, or I'm not sure what they're called. Yeah. I call, I call them emergency electricity. (laughs) Yes. Do they have like something like that for the electric cars or hybrid cars where you have like an emergency (laughs) plug-in power pack? (laughs) Nope. Nope. So I don't recommend taking your electric car on a camping trip. (laughs) You're yeah. Yeah. I can see that technology evolving and eventually Mm -hmm. that we will probably have that. I'm sure Elon Musk and his engineers at Tesla have already thought of that and are working on it. But no, we we don't have that yet. Plugging in your car is still a little more complicated than plugging in your cell phone. It's not, you know, a USB cable. Yes. (laughs) A little more complicated. That would be great. (laughs) So if you do a lot of camping, you know, then I don't recommend using an electric vehicle for that. Okay. <laughs> a regular hybrid would be fine. You can take okay. your, your RAV4 hybrid or your Subaru Crosstrek hybrid. Those are great for going camping and you okay. don't have to plug them in. I think I'm more comfortable with the hybrid idea than the just full-on electric at this point. Well, okay, you know, we're also are... in a different place in Charlotte, you know, in, in Los Angeles, where gas is now over $5 a gallon. Yes. People are really looking at those electrics and plug-in yes. electrics. <laughs> yes. We're still not quite that bad here in the Carolinas. Every time I go out there, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> how do you live like this? <laughs> Which is why they're all moving here. But anyway, true. <laughs> they don't want to live like that. Um what are the best cars for tall people? Yes. But, and, and that is, you have to look at where is the person's height located? Ah, okay. right? Because not all tall people are structured the same way. Some people, their yes. height is in their torso. Then you have to look at vehicles that have good headroom and a seat that you can move up and down to get the height adjustable driver's seat. But if the height is in all legs, like my husband is not tall, but he is all leg. 
And so then you want to look for a vehicle that has a telescoping steering wheel so you can move the seat all the way back to accommodate your legs. But then the steering wheel can also telescope out so that you're not driving, you know, with your arms perfectly straight because your arms are shorter than your legs. <laughs> so, and a lot of different makes and models have those. I find okay. a lot of those, you know, I have a lot of clients that are, are really tall, like 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". And they tend to be more comfortable in the bigger SUVs because they just, they feel like they just need a lot of space around them anyway. So yeah. you know, they love the Tahoes. And I've got one guy who loves the Escalade. He's in real estate as well up in the DC area. He knows they're not reliable. They cost an arm and a leg to maintain, but they're the most comfortable vehicle for him. And so that's what yeah. we buy him all the time. You know, some of the larger <laughs> sedans that have a lot more legroom in them. You know, the Genesis G80 is great for a lot of tall people. There's a lot of options. It's just you want okay. to make sure that you have the adjustments, the height adjustable driver's seat that goes up and down to give you the most headroom possible. And then a car that has a telescoping steering wheel, meaning the steering wheel can go in and out. So you can adjust it for your optimal arm position when you've got the seat all the way back to accommodate your long legs. <laughs> okay. You're probably not going to be buying a small, you know, you're not going to be buying a Corolla. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you, you know, are, you're mini, not very My Mini Cooper is surprisingly roomy. I have gotten football <laughs> players in my car. It's been pretty funny, but. <laughs> all right. What are the best cars for resale? Right now, just about anything that runs in this market. Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, but typically, your your Asian brands tend to hold their value a lot better. So your Toyotas hold their value very, very well. And it can vary by the exact vehicle. The Toyota 4Runner is ridiculous. You can pay... Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars for a forerunner that has one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand miles. I mean, it's yes. just stupid. It's yeah. just stupid. But that's yeah. how popular they are, and they will run forever if you take care of them. You know, Honda still has that reputation, even though their quality has gone down over the last several years, and they're they're on my I'm angry with you list. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're working on it, but they still have that reputation, so they still hold their value very well. You know, you're. Cars like your, your Cadillac Escalades are some of the worst because they have okay. a very high price tag to begin with. And then they have a lot of repossessions. A lot of the people that buy them don't really realize how much they are to maintain. And okay. so sometimes they, they don't take good care of them. But a lot of times your, your really higher end luxury cars have the most appreciation because you can either afford an $80,000 car and if you can, you're going to buy it new. But if you can't, you know, you're in a, a definitely a, a lower, more realistic price point for most of us. And so yeah. the people that are buying those used can only pay so much. There's this kind of gap between where someone is willing to pay $50,000 for it used versus paying $80,000 for it new. And there's not a lot of people that would fall in between that. So that's why you're higher end luxury vehicles tend to have a higher depreciation. Okay. Okay. Simply because of the, just the dynamic, the psychology of someone who wants to, who can afford to blow 80 plus grand on a new car versus the rest of us who can't. Yes. 
who want to get it after you've paid off the depreciation on it. <laughs> right, exactly. And sometimes it depends on the popularity of the car. And right now in the current market, I mean, if you have a car that you don't really need right now that you could possibly sell, go get it appraised, especially some yeah. of the online dealerships. They're paying stupid money for cars. We got, I think, $9,000 for a 2014 Chevy Cruze that had engine problems. I mean, it was oh, wow. crazy. My client literally sold that yesterday morning to CarMax. It was crazy. So, <laughs> but a lot of what I call gently used cars that you know, might be certified pre-owned, they're like two or three years old. Some of those cars right now are selling for what sticker is on a new one because there are no new ones or a bug wow. sticker for a new one. You want a Cantelli yeah. ride right now? Woo! You're going to pay big bucks for a used one, or you're going to be waiting four to five months for a new one. A new one. Because okay. they've been so popular since they came out before this crisis happened. So a lot okay. of it depends on the makes and model, but typically your Japanese brands, any brand that is known for reliability or is just stupid popular or rare, those are going to hold their value better. It's just supply okay. and demand, right? Basic economics, yes. supply and demand. I love it. Thank you. That is great information. All right, before we start to wrap up, I have a few fun questions for you. So, All right. <laughs> so I have been, no, I've noticed this trend and I think I read an article about um, companies sort of going, especially American uh, automakers, kind of going back to like their roots or like some of their vintage, what we would call vintage now cars and one of them i've noticed is there's a new bronco there's a new there's two Ford bronco out and i when i saw it i was like that is not a bronco <laughs> <laughs> so i just want to know are you a fan of the new bronco or the classic bronco i would have to say both i was a huge bronco fan you know back in the 80s Mm -hmm. um, dating myself again, but in college, my college roommate was from this little teeny weeny town in the wilds of Idaho. They lived on a ranch. And so she got me into trucks and SUVs and yes. we both loved the small, what was called the Bronco two back then, but we liked the okay. big ones too. And the new ones, I like that funky retro styling. I like things that look different. Yes. It's a totally different vehicle than the original Broncos. Mm -hmm. They have the new Bronco and they have the Bronco Sport, which is the small one. That's the kickback to the Bronco 2. Okay. There's two bro new Broncos out there. Okay. But the bigger okay. one, I think, is the one you're thinking of. Yeah, it's got the weird round headlights and it's just, it's very retro, funky looking. And from a yes. styling standpoint, I dearly love it. My sister-in-law has one. <laughs> From a reliability standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm very skeptical yeah. as I am of any brand new vehicle from mm -hmm. anybody but Toyota, but I think it's, they have had some problems so far. They'll, American vehicles just tend to have a little more problems, but you yeah. also don't buy that type of vehicle for its reliability. You buy it because it's just cool and you love yes. it. My yeah. sister dearly loves hers. So, you know, I, I like that they are really starting to pay attention to designing cars aesthetically as an art form. You know, cars back, you know, in the 20s and 30s and 40s and even 50s, those were a work of art. Yes. And today, yes. so many of the cars, they all look alike and they're not yes. necessarily special. And some of my clients are like, 
they all look alike. I want something that looks different. How can we find yeah. that looks different? Or how can we add something that's going to make my car not look like the, you know, 50 million other ones that are out there. And so yes. I, I commend, you know, Ford and Chevy and the American manufacturers. They started it with the muscle cars when they started bringing back the Camaro and the Challenger and the Charger. And now they're bringing back the the Blazer, which is not a Blazer, and the Bronco, which is not a Bronco. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're still, the styling is still very, very cool. And so if they can get their reliability to match the coolness of the styling, I'm going to be thrilled. Would I buy one for myself? Do I recommend them for a client, for a daily driver? No. Do I dearly love yeah. the way they look? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I like funky and cool. <laughs> I think for some reason, I'm stuck on like, I like the old. I want like the top down and the, you know, the big tire on the back. And um, I don't know, maybe a little rust to it. Like, well, it looks one rugged. of my, like one of my neighbors, my neighbors who owns the wine bar down the street from my house, he has one of the classic Broncos. And he calls it the beer Ronco because it has beer taps coming out the side and he has the way to attach the kegs inside. So it is yeah. literally a roving beer mobile and it's <laughs> painted a nasty flat black paint that I think he did with spray paint. And then he's yes. got the, the logos. It, it looks like what you're thinking. I mean, it's just an yes. old grungy Bronco that you can tap beer off the side of. I mean, it doesn't yeah. get any better than that. <laughs> So check out Grapevine Wine Bar in Fort Mill. <laughs> okay, good. I'll, hey, I'll have to go there. <laughs> now, what is your dream car, Leanne? Ooh, see, that's a loaded question. If you're giving me a blank check and telling me to come home with whatever I yes. want, money is no yes. object. I, I've always been a Porsche girl. I used to have Porsches. I've raced for Porsche. And so I would be hard pressed not to come home with one of the high-end Porsche sports cars, but okay. I would be sorely, sorely tempted by one of the McLarens. I have been a McLaren fan since the F1 back in the 80s. That was really a pure race car that was technically street legal, and it only had one seat. The driver's seat was literally in the middle of the oh, wow. car like a formula one car but it was a normal size road racing car and even in the 80s that car had the performance technology and capabilities that race cars today are still striving to achieve so totally impractical would not work on i-77 but <laughs> i was <just> certainly <laughs> tempted but you know there's i'm getting to the stage in my life where i'm being so practical if somebody handed me a check i'd be like you know i would love to buy a mclaren what should i do with this yeah but honestly i would probably come home with a toyota tacoma so i would have something <laughs> other than my mini to take to lowe's you know so i can you know buy all this stuff to renovate my bathroom yeah coming too practical but my dream car would be a mclaren or a porsche 911 possibly a GT3. It's like, mm, if I'm going to spend that much money, it's got to go on the track. Can't be a convertible, even though I love convertibles. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yes, I have very expensive taste. <laughs> hey, that's a, if you're going to dream, you should dream big. Like, dream big or go home. That's my thought. Exactly. And, you know, having spent so much of my life on the racetrack, it's just like, I will never, you're never going to get the race car driver out of the girl ever, even yeah. on the normal roads. Yeah. But I have the driving roads. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> well, Leanne, I'm so grateful that you took time with us. Thank you for all of the information and wisdom that you shared with us. Um, everyone, I hope you've, you've learned something today. 
Um, and I definitely, if you're in the market for a car, you're thinking about it. I just, I cannot speak her praises enough. I've worked with Leanne personally. She's wonderful. Um, Leanne, tell us how we can get in touch with you before we get out of here. Absolutely. The best way to do it is just to go to my website and that's the car chick that's c-h-i-c-k dot com and you can our phone number's on there there's a contact form you can reach out and my amazing assistant and crew chief wendy will reach back out to you and schedule a time for a free car chat so we can talk about your situation to see how i can best help you and if it's not working with me directly and steering you in a direction that better suits what you're trying to do i'm going to do that too because i just i want everybody to be empowered, whether they hire me or not. It's, I'm just very passionate about that. So, and I can do that anywhere in the, the continental United States. Awesome. Thank you, Leanne. Well, everyone, that's a wrap. Until next time, thank you for joining us at Real Charlotte Living. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.